Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a summer bonus edition of Stay Busy with the boy Armand Sather. And I am, of course, Armand Sather, vegan chorizo poppy, founder of BMB. We are here for another special bonus episode. Now, if you might you might not know all of the Armand Sadler lore, but back in the day, I did used to play football. I played tight end. It ended after high school, but um, you know, I was I was kind of eyed on the field. But there were um a few people in the NFL who I studied. And uh, we had the very special opportunity to have one of those guys on the show, two-time pro bowler. He's led the league in touchdowns alongside Larry Fitzgerald and Randy Moss in 2009. He has recently broken into a music career as a rapper, dropping his debut album, Showtime. He has acted. He's opened art galleries. He owns production companies. He's really doing everything that you love to see an athlete do post-career. We interviewed none other than Vernon Davis. And of course, we spoke to him about his debut album, Showtime, the process in going from poetry to deciding to rap, linking up with producers like Tone P and Zaytoven, his studio identity, favorite songs on the project, an interesting story about one of the songs, which I think will get a laugh out of you all. Of course, stories from the NFL playing for the 49ers, some of the teams he hated to play, some of the defenders he hated to play, and various other things about life, his kids. Really great conversation. I enjoyed it. This was definitely a moment for me, um, you know, talking to someone whose game I really studied and tried to emulate. And I hope that you all get something from it. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, I will be here with none other than the legendary San Francisco 49ers, Denver Broncos, and Washington Commanders tight end, Vernon Davis. Hope you all enjoy. Let's get right to it. First, of course, got to ask, just as one one Black man to another, how, how how are you? Good. Doing really well. How you doing? Everything's I, going well. I love that. Love to hear that. I'm great, too, man. Good, good Tuesday. Weather's nice. Can't complain. Can't complain at all. Um, so it's a very exciting time for you. Your debut album, Showtime, is out now. How, how does it feel to be at a, a place where you've accomplished so much in your career in various different fields, which we've gotten into, but now you can say, I'm a rapper who's put an album out? Yes, yeah, uh, it all caught me by surprise. And it's, you, you know, when life is going in an unexpected way, then that's how I know, that's how you know you're on the right track. And it's just been amazing. It's, you know, just leaving the game of football and then finding these different avenues that I've been able to found, find and, and just navigate through it all because no one's going to hand you anything. You have to work for everything. And I've never been the one to ask people for handouts or to expect someone to just give me something because I know it doesn't work like that. And when you're later on, when you're at the end or when you're at the top of where you want to be, you can look back and you can cry and you can feel all of the, the the ups and downs that you had to go through to get to where you to where you where you'll ultimately be. Absolutely. I know you started writing poetry when you were on the commanders. What 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 drove you to begin writing poetry? Was that more of a cathartic thing? Was that just just a way to express yourself? Like what what was it that kind of got you going with that? When I started writing poetry when I was playing with the commanders, Washington Commanders, I I had a girlfriend at the time, and I would just write notes to her every once in a while whenever I found myself bored in meetings or I just wanted to just express my love and gratitude towards her. And it's just, I became fascinated with 
the world of writing. So I, when I got done during COVID, I was like, hey, I'm going to put, I wonder what it sounds like to put some instrumentals behind these words. So I went to GarageBand, started operating that and putting the instrumentals behind some of the poetry um, in the form of rap. And it sounded pretty cool. So then I was like, hey, let me go into the studio and, and try to perfect this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I can definitely identify with that. I definitely had my era where I thought maybe I, I would start rapping too. Didn't last too long. <laughs> I kind of realized <laughs> that I, I would be better talking to the artist, interviewing the artist, but definitely, <laughs> definitely a very relatable story that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. And then getting into the studio has been a humbling process for a lot of people as well. So like that first time stepping up to the mic and like rapping over a beat, did, did you feel nervous? Did you feel any pressure? I felt... I felt like I was, I felt good about it. I felt like I was, it was going in the right direction, but I also knew that I had to work. I had to work at it. And I was just finding different things. I had to find my voice. But all good things come over time, especially if you're consistent and you're diligent to the craft and you'll figure it out at some point in time. Absolutely. And I, and I know Tone P has been very um, influential throughout your your journey within music. How, how did you two connect? Yeah, I have a buddy of mine. We have a mutual friend named Rob Gordon, who's a comedian. He called me one day. He's like, Tone P wants to wants to get with you. He want, he want to work with you. He has some beats for you. He's a producer. I was like, because uh, I don't I had a guy that I was working with and I was like, OK, yeah, let me let me. And I did my research, but I already knew who Tone P was because of his his work with Wale and a, a few other local rappers, what have you. He's, he's working with some uh, some big some big name guys. So when I called him up, I was, he, I was like, "Hey, what you got for me?" So he sent me this this beat and came up with the name "Bounce Like This." And um, yeah, it's like one of my first my very first singles that I was able to put out, produced by Tone P. And obviously you've been in some big moments, some big situations, playing against some really big players on the field, but within the arena of music, was there any nerves or like trepidation working with a multi-platinum producer like so early on in, in your journey? Uh, it was a little, yeah, I was a little nervous because it was my, the space was new. It was a new space for me and I knew I had to bring out my best. And I'm just wondering what, the whole time I'm just wondering. I'm like, hey, what is he? I want. What does he think? What is he thinking? What is he, is he going to change something? But it came out really nice, and he he enjoyed. He loved the writing, what I wrote, and it just all came together. The flow and cadence and just everything. Sure. And then from there, you also got to work with Zaytoven. I mean, Zaytoven, his name, his work, it goes without saying. So what was it like linking up with such a legendary producer like Zaytoven? Uh, yeah, that was that was a beautiful thing coming together with Zaytoven because, uh, you know, we he's established himself as one of the top producers in the game. And you know, his track record of who he's worked with from Gucci Mane to Usher is just just phenomenal. Um, I just think it, it was just, it's awesome to be able to get to, to have a collaboration piece with him and for him to be able to open his doors and, and just help me out. I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty cool. How long would you say it took you to put Showtime together? 
Showtime, it took us to put to put Showtime from creating the song to going back into the studio and just fine-tuning things. It's just, I'd say about seven, seven, seven months. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a it's a work in pro it was a work in progress, you know what I mean? Just like because you make these songs, you know, those are just seven or eight songs that we picked out of 50. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because a lot of these songs, you're not you're gonna make them, but you're not they're not gonna make the cut. It's like anything else. It's just it's just what you what you're listening to. So we had to really cut down on on some of the songs and just use the, the few that we had, the few that we really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask about that. Like the the album is is eight tracks long, and I know in this era of streaming and in this era of kind of giving fans a lot typically people will make longer 14 to 16 song albums. Did you intentionally keep it short? And and, and if so, what, what was the reason for that? Yeah, we want to kind of do like an EP. We want mm. to stay in the, do something small, then you know, gradually just pick up. And then next thing you know, we were coming out with more songs later mm. on. So that's that, that was the process of all that. It was... It's been great, man. It's been it's been it's been a great journey. Just especially the writing process. Just put my life behind instrumentals, the writing. You know, because a lot of things that I talk about is I'm talking about experiences that I've had in my life, and that's that's what rappers do. They 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 go back to their past experience and their current things they're going through currently, and they put it all together, and they they're able to share their message with hopes of inspiring people. Um, giving motivation. There's always different different reasons for putting out certain things. Absolutely. How how would you describe your studio identity? Are you like one of those studio rats who's in there all the time? I'm, I'm you, you you do a lot. You have a pretty pretty busy life, so I don't know if you could be there 24 seven. But are, are are you in the studio a lot, or do you keep it to when when I'm inspired, I'm going to write, I'm going to record this. I got a studio. I built a. I just actually just moved in this house like four months ago, and I actually built a studio out right here in my office. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so um, it's pretty easy to just get in there whenever. <laughs> yeah, I just walk right. I just get grab my snack and just walk right to the kit. Walk to the kitchen and walk right here into the office. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good life, man. It's a good life. Um. So you said bounce like this was the first track. I, I know you also put the singles out, phone and and, and how I play it. I really enjoyed the song. What's good, Brody? Well, what's the story behind that record and how that came together? Oh, that's pretty cool. It's it's, it's pretty cool that you you like that record because it actually just got picked up for a movie. Hey. Oh, 72, 72 hours with Sam Trammell, um, Nikki Whalen. It was, and I, I'm actually in that movie too. So they're going to use the song for when I come out when I make my my when I first make my appearance on on the movie, but. Yeah, that that movie was about. So I was I was sitting in the house, and one of my teammates called me. He just called me out of the blue, and he was like, "You know, I never really had a relationship with this this teammate." He just sometimes when you're on a team, it's just you don't really rock with everybody. <laughs> you you know what I mean? Like everybody's yeah. not gonna rock with you. You're not gonna rock with everybody. But when it comes to playing games, y'all, you know, you guys are are one but off the field you probably hang with this group you know that group's over there it, it just happens that way and it's cool but 
this guy that I never really hung out with called me. He's like, yo, what's up? What's good, Brody? That's what he said to me. <laughs> I was like, hey, what's up? What's going on, bro? He's like, can I borrow $30,000? I'm like, I mean, you know, we mid-season. I'm like, $30,000, man. I ain't, I don't have $30,000, man. I just, I got my kids. I got some bills. I, I can't I can't just get up off $30,000. He's like, okay, all right, no problem, no problem. So that song is about, like, just that experience that I had. Like, people see you. They see you doing business. They see you. They see you you doing well in life, not just not just on the field, but you got your stuff in order, right? Mm -hmm. But then they feel the need to reach out to you. But what about hanging out with me before you ask for the money? Mm -hmm. All right, get to know me first before you just ask for money. All right. You, you know what I mean? It's just it's just one of those experiences in life. And I just wanted to share that. That was on my heart and my mind when I was writing. And I just <laughs> thought about that day because it it didn't it didn't really sit too well with me during that time. Yeah, but I, I do know that people go through things and they they go through their money and they they don't the infrastructure is just not right. Yeah, but at that time it was just like you know before you 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 can never judge a book by its cover. You never know when you need someone. My grandmother used to tell me that all the time. You never know when you need someone. So for me, when I was in the locker room, I never looked down on anybody. You know, I got to know everybody on that team, whether they wanted to know me or not. I just wanted to keep it open and let them know that, hey, I'm here for you, whatever you, whatever you need. I don't need nothing from you, but I'm here. You know, that's that's just how you gotta rock. So that was my that was my meaning behind that song. Absolutely. And coming from being a successful tight end in the NFL and then transitioning into rap, there have been obviously been a lot of athlete rappers throughout their careers. And some people feel like athletes often use the platforms that they built as an athlete to kind of try to take the easy way into music. But, but, but you talked a lot about the work and talked a lot about, you know, being consistent and really growing. And so what was that experience like coming from being one of the top tight ends we've ever seen to kind of having to start over somewhere else and kind of earn that respect of people like Zaytoven and, and, and peers and rap as well. Yeah. I don't feel like, I don't feel like people respect me when it comes to this, this space right now. I don't feel like people respect me as an actor, but I'm building. I mean, I just started all this three years ago, so I don't expect nobody to just respect me out of the gate. It's mm -hmm. cool because it also motivates me. And I think back when I first started playing football, I didn't I didn't go to school to play football. I went to school to play basketball. But what happened was I had to pivot. I walked into the locker room, well, not the locker room, but the gym, and I saw that they had the coach had his favorites. So I said, this is not going to work. Mm -hmm. Let me try football. So I walk on the field. Well, and I see the coach, I say, hey, can I try for the team? He said, yeah, what position you want to play? I say, anything that has to do with scoring touchdowns. That year blew up. But I had to work. I know I had to continue to put that work on if I wanted to get to the ultimate place, which was the NFL. And I hold on to that. And I hold on to that, that, that process, that experience, because I know that I have to put that same process to everything that I do. And if you do that, eventually – you're going to be so consistent and you're going to be so good at what you're doing. People are going to have to respect you. But I haven't gotten to that point yet because I just started. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't really, a lot of the stuff like that I'm doing now, I know that I, I just have to keep, just keep pushing forward. And at some point in time, I'll earn, I'll earn the respect. Respect is not given. Respect is earned. Yeah. So that's what I love. That's the process I love. Absolutely. It's it's a really gratifying process to 
see yourself earn that respect over time, especially because a lot of people come into different fields feeling entitled to it. They're like, yo, I, I know how, how nice I am. So Yasha rock with me just because I know how nice I am. But that's, that's not how it works <laughs> at yeah, all. You got to be humble. You got to be humble. You got to humble yourself. And you you have to know that it's okay. It's okay to be on the bottom. You've always been on. I've always been on the bottom. It, even right now, I've, I don't even feel like a lot of people ask me, why do I feel this way? But I don't even feel like I did anything in football. Really? I never really felt like I did anything, even when I was playing. Even to this point now, I don't even feel like I, you know, I never had surgery. I never had, I've always taken care of myself. I've always been fully committed. And fully committed as a professional athlete is getting massages three times a week. Make sure you see your chiropractor three times a week. Stretching every single day. It, like, this is, this is what you have to do. You have to be religious about it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where I say, like, I've always been on the, I've always been on the bottom and I always feel like I'm on the bottom because if I feel that way, then I continue, continue to keep moving forward and I continue to keep, keep that relentless attitude, that relentless approach to everything that I do. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know, I don't have any other explanation for that. I just, that's just the way I am mentally. And that's what I, that's why I like to stay because mm -hmm. I don't want to ever feel like I, I've achieved not achieved something or I got to a place where I'm comfort comfortable with that. And I don't feel that way. I, I never can. I I feel that completely. And I feel like and I, I would love your perspective on this. It kind of, it kind of feels like the mentality of a tight end. Like I, I, I played tight end in, in high school and a lot of my mm -hmm. life. And I always felt like I had to earn the, the respect to where, I would be a focal point of the offense because, you know, you got great running backs, you got great receivers. And a lot of teams will, especially in high school, will look at a tight end. It's just like, you, you kind of just, you just, just, just an extra guy to block. Like you, you might get a couple of throws here and there. And so I feel like tight ends, we have this mentality where we're going to work extra hard and we're not necessarily satisfied with, with anything. Like, you know, even if you get one reception, it's like, well, I could have had three, I could have scored a touchdown, like something like that. And so I kind of carry that mentality from off the field because I'm way past my football days to to life in general. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm getting here. Do you feel like your mentality is a tight end? Even though you were a focal point of the 49ers offense, do you feel like the the whole psychology of, of, of being a tight end plays into how you approach rap and how you approach life too? No, I I mean I could say that, but I it could be any position. I think the I think the process I think myself just being who I am and just how I'm wired, what I've been through, a lot of a lot of how I'm wired comes from my past experiences as a kid, not mm -hmm. having my mom around, not having my dad around, growing up in a house, in a three-bedroom house with my six siblings raised by my grandparents. You know what I mean? And that's why I say being at the bottom. That's being at the bottom. And a lot of that, that's that's where I come from. That's why, why my mental state is the way it is. I'm all, I'm I'm extremely grateful for everything that's been given, not the big things, but the little things as well. And I try to keep the philosophy of my grandmother, her, everything that she stands for. I try to hold on to that as well because I know that it made me who I am, the guy that's sitting here today. So I hold on to that. But yeah, it just it just comes. It's just life. It's just how you're supposed to rock in life. And having that experience to of playing football being a tight end in high school, college, and the NFL, every, 
the, the growing pains that I had to go through with coach sending me to the locker room to becoming a leader, learning how to become a leader, making plays on Sundays and being expected to make those plays. I think that helped shape me and it helped shape my mental state as well. Absolutely. So obviously the album is out. Um, District Funk Funk Records. Talk to me about how, how you how you kind of got that going. Get got associated with District District Funk Records. Yeah, Tom P. He he's a he is a, he's the owner of District Funk Records, and he I brought him in with him being from the area and us growing up in the same neighborhood. I thought it was only right for us to collaborate, come together, and just create some magic. And it's been a great journey. It's been a great journey. Everybody's not going to support you or, or like your work. But once you get to a certain height, they'll notice and then they'll try to support you because they see <laughs> they see the buzz. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's it's all good. It's cool. I love the I love being at this in this space. It's the best space to be. Yeah. Cause like I, I said, when you get to the top, when you get to the top, you can shed those tears and you can think about those growing pains and everything you had to all the the tough times you had to face. Definitely. Have you connected with any other rappers or producers or executives like who have given you a really like salient piece of advice? Like what's 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 like the best piece of advice that you've heard of uh, from anyone in the space? Best piece of advice is just keep going. <laughs> Simple as yeah, that. Just keep, just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> because you because you're going if you keep as long as you keep going, that's all. That's the only thing somebody can really tell you when it comes to, to like any crap. Really, they can just tell you to keep going because what's going to happen is that if you keep going, you're going to learn. You're going to learn for yourself. You're going to, from trying different things and that it's not, and not working, not trying different things. And all of a sudden it's not working. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you have to come over here, you pivot to this side and you try this and you try that. Then you meet different people. You know what I mean? I'm about to start working with this guy named Nick Cooper out of LA. He's, he's an interesting, amazing person and I'm happy to have been able to meet him. He's just brilliant. He's not just brilliant as a, as a vocal coach and musician. And he's just all around an all around mentor. And I walk into his, it's, it's funny because I walk in to his office and I see Polo G and I, and I see him on calls with Usher and, all these big names and it, it, it was just it's just I'm like gosh this I'm with the right guy this I mean this guy's everybody's coming to this dude right. I see videos of just like tons of talent on his in his office it's just it's crazy mm -hmm. yeah no it's those, it, it's incredible yeah those are the things you have to do though you have to continue to keep working and finding different people that can help elevate you yeah absolutely I mean. <laughs> It's it's I feel like it's easy to kind of get to a place where you feel like I feel like a lot of people feel like they master the craft a bit sooner than they actually do. And I've, I've I feel like it's important to adopt that mentality that, that you're a lifelong learner. You know, there's always something you can improve at. And you also want to keep certain skills sharp. It's kind of like a muscle. You got to keep lifting it. Otherwise, it'll start to atrophy. Um, so it's definitely something that I can I can relate to. So it's great to hear that. Yeah. Of course, I, I got to talk to you about about your playing career. 49ers 
were a super exciting team uh, throughout the time you were there. You, you did some amazing things on the field. What are some of your best memories or favorite moments uh, from your time on the 49ers, Broncos, and, and Commanders? Uh, my favorite memories, one of my favorite memories from, let me see. I'm about to say, my favorite memory from when I was the 49ers was the catch three that I, the catch I had when I was playing against the, when we played against the, the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. It was a few seconds left on the clock. I was able to come through for the team, make the game win and catch. Yeah. Game over. We advance and move on. That was just a very uh, memorable moment for me, for my family, for the 49ers organization. Fans. It was just something I'll be able to take with me for the rest of my life. When I was in Denver, of course, winning the Super Bowl, that was another <laughs> Another pivotal moment for yeah. me. Memory that I'll, I'll continue to take on with me. And then coming back home to the Washington Commanders. It's nothing like it. I grew up a Commanders fan. And being able to get picked up and play in my backyard, my hometown, in front of family, friends. Still here. I didn't go anywhere. It's just, it left a great impression on me. I love the city. And to be able to just remain here and know that I played, had a chance to to wear that that jersey, yeah. that jersey of the team that I grew up rooting for, truly special. No, nah, 100%. And as, as a tight end, as we said, you did some amazing things. You were the fourth highest tight end ever drafted, a top prospect in 2006, um, led the NFL with nine touchdowns in 2009, tied with Larry Fitzgerald and Randy Moss. Like you, 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 you were one of those tight ends that they had to discuss, uh, like among the top wide receivers, which it doesn't, doesn't happen too often. You know, you, you get the Tony Gonzalez, you get the Antonio Gates, you get the Rob Gronkowski's. And I feel like like throughout, throughout history, you know, d- decades from now, like Vernon Davis's name is, is still going to come up among elite tight ends, but also just elite pass catchers and touchdown scorers like how, how does it feel to have had that impact all on the game it feels good it feels it was it was always the older i got the older i became the game the easier the game got for me like because i just i worked so hard in practice and during the off season that the game became easy the process of the game like getting up in the morning going into the building being being able to hold a smile and and just really genuinely enjoy being in the office, right? Stretching, going, getting ready for practice, going out on the practice field and staying out there longer than everybody for 14 years. That became easy for me. Like, it's 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 pretty cool to be able to look back and say that the game was, as hard as it was, it became easy. But it only gets easy if you put the time in it, if you really work on it, like, I was watching young guys when I was with the commanders in year 13, right? I mean, they, they're taking the time getting out, but I'm, I'm already re- I'm ready to go. Cause I started, <laughs> I started my day. I started preparing in preparation mentally and from a meditation, just meditating on the game and meditating on practice. I was already there. I was already on that practice field. So when it was time for me to actually put on my gear, go outside and get ready for, get ready. I was, I was flying. Mm-hmm. I was flying out the door. I was ready to go. And, and a lot of the young guys couldn't understand it. They started, that's why they started calling me the ageless wonder. Because <laughs> I was doing some incredible things. And I didn't know it, but people saw it. 
Yeah, no, it's special. It's special. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they appreciated ha- having that veteran presence in, in the locker room because it's really important. I think especially in, in this era of sports, we see a lot of athletes who are whose whose personalities and there have always been personalities within uh, sports. But I feel like now with social media and, you know, athletes starting podcasts like their personalities are even even bigger on a grander scale. And it can sometimes affect the the their performances on the field and kind of how they approach being on the field. So I think ha- having that that veteran presence in the locker room is is important for for all sports for real. Absolutely. How connected are you still with the NFL? Like, are are you watching every Sunday? Are are you are you mentoring um some of the young players who are currently in the league? People reach out to me all the time, and I try my best to help when I when I have time, but I'm, I've been so busy with so many different things when it comes to the entertainment space. And I also have my son who's 15, who's at the math at senior high school, which is an I- iconic school here in the Washington DC area for basketball and football. But he's there. He's, he's about, he's, uh, he's six, three, two twenty. Mm. He's playing tight end. <laughs> so I, I try my best to, to put time with time in with him, educate him about the game, show him little techniques, tools that he can use. I don't overwork him. I don't. I don't do too much. I kind of let him figure it out by himself. But I do give him some of my secret weapons that I used when I was playing the game. <laughs> so that takes up a lot of my time. And then I have a nine-year-old son and a an eleven-year-old daughter. Hmm. That's amazing. What What are your feelings on you, your children pursuing professional sports? You know, knowing everything that that you had to do over the course of your career, knowing the highs knowing the lows like i feel like of course it would be amazing to see hey like you know my son follow my steps footsteps have made it to the nfl but is is that is that something that you're necessarily hoping for or are are you kind of just like hey man like whatever you want to do yeah i'm like whatever they want to do whatever they want to do i'm here for them i'm going to support them I'm in their corner 110 percent. so i encourage them to pursue whatever it is that they want in life it doesn't have to be football. It doesn't have to be basketball. It can be whatever, anything. Mm-hmm. Well, what are your feelings on what the what the running backs are currently dealing with? There's a lot of contract issues. People wanting, you know, more money. I saw Saquon literally signed today for a, a one year deal, which a lot of people are like, really, like Saquon Barkley only a, a one year deal. Situations like that. So, how, how do you feel about the current landscape of running backs and receivers, and kind of how how contracts are structured? I think throughout the the history, throughout throughout time and the history of the game, the upper management and the NFL, they have a, a great idea of the wear and tear of different positions. And running backs, they have they have the most the I, I wouldn't say they have the most wear and tear, but they they go through a lot. Yeah. They go through a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff when it comes to their bodies. So they're looking at that. And if you think about the combine, when you go to the combine, they they want to see, they want to test your body, they want to look at your body parts, your arms, your bones, your your hips, your knees, your ankles, and make sure that you're you're durable. Right. That's what they want to know before they put all this money into you. And like a guy like Saquon, even though he's he's amazing, they're looking at the they they want to, I guess I'm thinking they want to see something else out of him. Maybe 
his numbers. They they're looking at the numbers. They, they he's not putting up the same numbers he used to put up. Right? He did have a severe injury in the past, so they might be looking at another running back for next year's draft to maybe replace Saquon right. because they, they they just want something different. That's what it is. It's just looking at the putting everything on the table and say, hey, this is what we need most of. Hey, we've been giving this guy over here, this wide receiver, these two wide receivers, X amount of dollars, but we got money in Saquon, so maybe we should give him a one-year deal, a prove-it deal, or just see what he, he does, right, this year. If he does well, we forget about the – the running back that's coming in next year, and we re-sign Saquon Barkley. Right. They're just moving pieces around, just being strategic. They just being strategic about it. I definitely don't envy the the role of owners kind of having to look at the business side of structuring a team and then looking at a talent. Like, you know, you look at someone like Odell Beckham, who we know is probably one of the best receivers to ever step on the field, but, you know, dealing with injuries and him kind of last year, you know, meeting up with all these teams and um, t- taking, taking a bit, a bit of time to get signed. Like it's, it's gotta be tough to try to figure out, all right, like where's this money going to go? But this guy, like, I-, I feel like if given the right opportunity, like he, he, he can be amazing. So it- it's tough. I mean, <laughs> it is about the talent, but it's more about the business. Right. You know what I mean? It- it's about the talent, but it's more about the business. Right. On all, on all as all spe- on all aspects of the game, it's about the business, and that's the mm-hmm. biggest piece to it. Yeah. A lot of people looking at it like, oh, he's talented, blah, blah blah. Yeah, but they got other talent. They got talent in other places that makes up for what this guy can do. And then yeah. if they can go about and get exactly what they want, then they're going to do it. They might not need what they they don't need this talent, this piece of talent right here, this person at this position. They don't need that anymore. They're looking for something totally different. Right. It's just the nature of the business. It's, it's all business. Yeah. 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 It's it's very, very true. Speaking of business, man, you've you've got your hands in a bunch of other things, as you said, movies, you've appeared on TV to doing hosting reunions for the challenge. Was was acting always something that you wanted to get into, or as 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 your playing career was winding down, was that something you were like, hmm, like maybe I should step into this? I never really, I never wanted to pursue acting. I never wanted to pursue music. Life is unexpected. And if your life is unexpected, that means your life is going and moving in the right direction. You're never supposed to. Yeah, you can, you can set, you, what you set your goals towards, yeah, it should, it should happen. It should happen, but there also, there, there should also be a lot of unexpected moments or unexpected things that pop up throughout your approach and the process of, and the journey of attaining those goals, right? right. And it's supposed to work that way. And, and that's how my life has always been. It's always been that way. And I feel like everybody operating in that manner. Absolutely. Well, the ritual killers, man, you got to, you got to film a movie with Morgan Freeman. Well, what was that experience like? It was it was great working with Morgan, watching him do what he's always done. I mean, he's the best, one of the best actors to ever do it with over 500 titles. And to be in his presence was incredible. Even just working with him, having sharing sharing the screen with him. Like 
that doesn't happen, man. I'm, I'm gonna look back on this movie for the rest of my life. My kids are gonna be able to see this movie. My kids' kids. So to be able to do that, I mean, a lot of people don't get a chance to experience that. I'm I'm extremely grateful for it, mm-hmm. and it just gives me motivation to keep pressing on and to get better and better. Did 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 you two get to spend a lot of time together, like outside of filming, just just kind of talking? Like, were you were you able to pick his brain about? Uh, acting yeah yeah he he said yeah he told me a lot of little things i mean he talked we spoke about all kinds of things just the, the nuances of of just being an actor and and just how just 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 my approach his approach and he said so he was like that he said there's a lot of he said something that made a lot of sense to me like in acting there's a Every action has a thousand little actions. Mm. You probably you understand what that, that means? 100 yeah. percent Yeah, every action has a thousand little actions, which means that if I'm if I'm supposed to get up and walk to the kitchen, I don't just get up and just walk to the kitchen. I have a there's a destination. I'm going to the kitchen to get a bottle of water. Yeah, but there's a lot of different things that's happening as I'm walking to that refrigerator to get that water. Right, I might pick up something. I might look around. I might hear something. I might see something on a on a on the kitchen that I might forget that the stove. I might check the stove. Like every little thing, I'm looking the refrigerator. I know I'm getting water, but there might be something else that I see that I might touch. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different component things going on. So there's a thousand little actions in every action. Yeah. And I feel like that that relates a lot to life in general. Um, One of my old football coaches said doing something great is doing a bunch of small, good things and then combining them together. And that's, that's something that stuck with me throughout my entire life, because I think greatness can be such a daunting, all encompassing thing, but you don't just wake up one day and like, be great. You, you work towards it, you build it up. So I I definitely feel that. and I, you've also stepped into the production side of things too, with Real Eighty Five and and Between the Lines Productions. Well, what inspired you to get the, to create those companies? Well, I was inspired by because I wanted to create my own product. I wanted to create films. I wanted to create the film and also have myself in the film as an actor. So that was the only way. So it was a start. For me to create real, real, real eighty five productions is, as well as partnering with my partners over at Workhorse Cinema, where we did five Bruce Willis movies. We worked with tons of amazing actors outside of Bruce Willis. So it's 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 great to be able to create this and also join forces with other prominent producers, directors, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I, I feel like what I'm gathering is, you know, you, you you spend so much time in the NFL and obviously being being a, an, an entertainer on TV, you're, you're brushing shoulders with different people at award shows and and your your taste for things grew to to music, to movies, to TVs, to to, to, to opening your own galleries. And um, ha, ha, it's I'm, I'm always so interested at like, athletes who you know obviously have great careers and then kind of use that as a launch pad to create other things and create opportunities for for other people like it's 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 very altruistic it's 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 really special to see 
Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. You're right. And, and life is supposed, supposed to be about empowering, uh, motivating, uplifting people. It's all about, it's never really, excuse me, it's never really about us. It's more than us. Because when we leave this earth, we can't take any of it with us. We can leave behind a legacy. We can leave behind our name, memories, photos. But the purpose in life is to is to be impactful for other people. You never know what people are going through. Um, and it's just always great to have a purpose outside of yourself, to be selfless. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, between the music, between the movies, between production companies, art galleries, hanging with your kids, like, what, what, what does Vernon Davis do for fun? Like, what are you doing in your leisure time? Do you play video games? Do you do you like hiking? Do you travel? Like, what's what's Vernon Davis doing for leisure time? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm hanging out with my kids. Uh, gosh, man, I feel like leisure time is what I'm doing, like mm. making music, working on the craft of being an actor. That's all fun. That's fun to me. That ain't. Mm. That's not work. Mm. Yeah, football was never really work. It was all. Uh, it was me being a kid, me me having fun. Like I just people ask that question all the time, and I, I don't. It's an interesting question for me because I, it's not work for me. I can do it all day, every day. It's just, it's, yeah. it's fun for me. It is, it is a hobby for me. Mm -hmm. It's the hobby that happens to be work. Yeah. And I, I never really, I never pursued anything that I wasn't in love with. I have to be, I have to, if I'm doing it, that means I love it and I can do it. I don't even have to be paid to do it. I'll just do it. Like I've, and I've done films for as little as, thousand dollars i mean you know what i mean for 10 days or so i i do it because i i know that i'm doing something i love yeah and money follows success it's never really it's never about money. i never did anything for money right. i did it for the love mm -hmm. so it's safe to say vernon davis has lived a fulfilling life then um you can say that. <laughs> I can't say that because I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what fulfilling is because I'm not fulfilled. Okay. <laughs> What's left for you? What 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 do you feel like you would You would want to do that? You know, when you look back, you can say, "All right, like I feel fulfilled with everything." Gosh, man, I don't know if I ever say that. <laughs> I don't know if I ever can say that, man. I don't know why I can't. I don't know. Back to that mentality of, you know, being at the bottom and not being satisfied. Yeah, I don't know if I can, I'm ever satisfied with anything. I just, and I guess that's a great way to be. I mean, I just, because when you have, a lot of times people can come really complacent when they, they, they're able to get up in the morning, walk around a big house and really visual, have a really see and feel the fruits of their labor. And just come super complacent and just get lazy and tired. Don't want to. Don't want to put in the work. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel that. Well, a uh, couple more questions for you. I gotta ask who, which team in the NFL did you hate playing against the most, and which defender, defensive back, linebacker, or defensive lineman did you hate going up against the most? The team I hated playing against the most, B. 
the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. Playing against that Cam Chancellor, ooh, he was a force. Richard Sherman, they had some defenders over there, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just had a they had a squad that was unmatched. Could stand playing against those guys. Yeah. Yeah, they were they, they, they were tough. I I I was um I was I was a Colts fan growing up, so naturally I was a Peyton Manning fan. So I followed him to the to the Broncos and that Super Bowl in 2014 still haunts me to this day when the Seahawks just destroyed them. It was <laughs> it hurt. <laughs> yeah, that was that was crazy, man. Uh, that was crazy. Yeah. That was, was, uh, I remember that game too. I wasn't I wasn't with the team then, but I remember right. that game. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was good to see you and Peyton, you know, be able to get one, you know, two years later in 2016. Yeah, uh, which was also a very good game. I mean, Cam Newton was incredible that season. So yeah, he was, was awesome. Yeah. Um, and as far as your music career, like, did did you have plans to to go on tour to do live performances? Like, what what, what what's the next step from from Showtime? The next step from Showtime is to continue to keep building off of of what we've been able to create. The next album will probably be totally different. Um, more singing, more just uh, just more of like just of what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, this one was more geared towards game day kind of music. Showtime, put my let me listen, let me put this track on, listen to this song. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely say upon listening to it, like that's something that I would definitely play in the gym. So I, I could definitely f- feel that pregame energy, like, you know, getting hype before it's time to hit the field. So I, I, I play it. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. a winner, how I play it, how I play it. Uh-huh. Ain't no beginner, how I play it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, you you captured that energy very, very well with this with this project. So kudos yeah. on that for sure. Who were who who are you listening to pregame but but before your games throughout your career? Oh, I started listening to the older I got, the more I started listening to more mellow type music. I would listen to slow music. Mm. I, I stopped listening to like the I was I, in the car, I'd listen to um to the hype music on a, on my way driving to the stadium. But then mm. when I get on the field, I start calming down so mm. I can be calm inside. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. I've, I've told people I play R and B in the gym. Sometimes they're like, what? I'm like, yo, man, I, I don't know. I, I just want to chill, lock in on all my techniques. Sometimes being a little too amped up, you could, you can kind of lose, lose the process. Exactly. So yeah, I want to be too hyped up on adrenaline, but I, I feel that could definitely relate. Um, so is, is there anything that you want to promote to our listeners, to the people who are listening to this? Like, well, what should people be looking out for from Vernon Davis, AKA Vern? Um, there's a show coming out. There's a there's a show coming up on ESPN between now and next week. Any any day now, it's it's um it's uh I'm doing color commentating for professional horseshoe throwers. Wow, which is pretty cool. Out of my room, outside of my room, but mm-hmm. when you watch the show, you'll think that I'm a expert <laughs> color commentating for professional horseshoe throwers. That was fun. I take on I take on opportunities like that because. It's interesting. It's it's challenging, and it's work because yeah. that's that's not what I what I do. But it, and it's fun, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So that that also there's a there's a uh, look out for a film that I'm in called Seventy Two Hours, which you'll also hear my music in this film. Sam Trammell, uh, who's one of the lead actors in that, and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vernon Davis 
85. Incredible. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. This is, uh, like I said before, like this is an incredible interview for me. I used to watch you, your highlights, you know, leading into game day. You and you, you, you and Dallas Clark were like the, the tight ends who I really studied the most. So um, this is this is a crazy moment for 17-year-old Armand. Um, but congratulations on all you've accomplished. Best of luck on everything that you got coming. And I can't wait to see and hear what's next. Thank you. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Baby girl, baby girl, how you feeling? I've been out in the world, staying busy. Taking time, getting right if you miss me. Man.